Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn, it's the In the Crease podcast. And Linda, yeah. we both have a week because we work in sports for a living. We go, we're so privileged. We get to go for free. We get to see live events. But we got into this because we love games and we love athletes and we love sports and we love the competition. And so you and I both went to sporting events this week as fans, which is, you know, again, the best thing, the best thing, but they were different. You went to the Crip and you saw the LA Kings in the hockey game. I went to the United Center and I saw an NBA game. So we want to compare and contrast the experiences because they're different. Well, it is. And I didn't have to go to this game to see the Kings host the Rangers to realize this. I knew this <laughs> for years, for decades, as long as I've been alive, that to see a hockey game in person is amazing. And I went with, well, I went with my daughter and I went with my daughter's boyfriend who have never seen a hockey game in person. And he was like, he turned into a little boy. And I got such joy out of that. I got such amazing joy that he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is this. And he has seen multiple NBA games in person. He has seen multiple major league baseball games in person. And he grew up a baseball fan. And just seeing a hockey game in person was, inc- was absolutely crazy. So then you tell me, you remind me that, oh yeah, you went to see the Bulls play. And I, I don't care, it could have been the most boring hockey game in the world it still would have been more exciting. No offense to the Bulls or the NBA, but it's just seeing a game in person. Am I right, Emily? You're so right. So, And I got to see a Blackhawks game as a fan earlier this year, and it was awesome, and of I enjoyed course. it. And I experienced that vantage point. And look, I had great seats. They were club level. Thank you to my friends who hooked me up, and I appreciate them. Um, it was Bulls versus Nets, a great matchup. One and two seed in the East. This is probably something we're going to be seeing in the playoffs. We get to see James Harden, Kevin Durant, road Kyrie because he gets to play on the road. The Bulls are all amped up. It's a 9 p.m. local start, which was a weird, crazy thing. Thanks, ESPN. Uh, that's a TV thing. Anyway, game's awesome to begin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so into it. And then halftime comes and the Bulls just like stop playing. And it's like a 35 point difference before I know it. And I'm like, this sucks. It sucks because there's so many timeouts. All right. I mean, we don't have a long enough podcast to talk about the difference in seeing an NBA game. They're calling timeouts. Then you have the TV timeouts. Then the coaches are calling timeouts and then let's play. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, wait, timeout, timeout. Stop, stop the excitement. I can't take it. It drives me up the wall in basketball. I'm not listening. It was the first game I learned how to play next to tennis. I was pretty good as a point guard. But, you know, I quickly turned to hockey. But anyway, another thing I noticed, I just thought was interesting. Um, And it was like the first time since I've been now behind the scenes of game production. So I'm noticing different things. I was looking. I was like, where's the reporter? Who is the reporter? Is it Cassidy? I love her. Like, I hope it's her. Where does she stand? Because I'm always trapped in my box. But I noticed like 
every time there was one of these many, many stoppages, um, you see the ESPN camera guys and they're just like lurking and hovering up in the athletes faces, like really close up to them. And you just remind yourself that like the NBA, it's such an individual driven league. And like so many people were at that arena just to see these individual players. Um, and that's the way we broadcast it. And it's just such a different experience, of course, in hockey, which is just so team oriented. Yeah. I prefer the team oriented. Well, that's why we both work at hockey. End of us. story. That's right. <laughs> All right. I'm so excited for this desk interview we have for you. Uh, one of our favorite guys in the game. He's been at it for a while. One of the best defensemen in the game currently. And it's John Carlson, the defenseman for the Washington Capitals. And John, I had, a, uh, I think just one, maybe two of your games between the benches this year. And one of the guys that really impressed me on your team was Martin Farivari. And I remember in the game we had, it was in Pittsburgh. He got down, it was a concussion protocol. And you were just so concerned about his well-being. I just noticed that about you. So I just wanted to know what it's been like having a rookie as a defensive partner. And, and just tell me a little bit about Martin. Yeah, um, he's a little bit of shy of a guy, but um, just a tremendous competitor. I think uh, we've known that about him from, from training camps and, um, you know, he's been around through this, this whole COVID thing with the extend, expanded um, rosters and stuff until um, now. And he's just doing an amazing job. He's, um, he's a great kid that I think every single day you can pretty much count on him to be working the hardest out of anyone there is. Um, and that, that's just great to see. I always say uh, I love really young guys coming in the locker room, especially now as I'm getting older. It's nice to you know, after dropping the kids off from school, you see a, a real young guy coming in, just look, you know, just greener, happier than ever. Uh, just so excited to be at the rink every day and, and get to do uh, this job that we do. And I think um, you never want to see a guy go down. And certainly, you know, we spent a lot of time together, played a lot together. So I was, I was worried about him. Hey, John, I want to go back in time a little bit like training camp and whether you or your teammates uh, hear the noise and talking those so-called experts saying, I don't know about the Washington Capitals this year. I don't know if they're going to have trouble making the postseason. And yet you guys get off to like this amazing start, shutting everyone up. Uh, can we go back in time, talk about the mindset with the guys heading into the season and then how, you know, the results were fantastic and that shut everyone up? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's a couple of us that have been around a while. Uh, and, you know, a, a bigger group of the guys here that have been together for a while and know what to expect, know our capabilities. So I think um, no matter what people said, if they're cheering us or they hate us, it, it doesn't really matter to us. I think we're we're kind of just a, an enthusiastic group. Uh, we come in, we have fun, we work hard. And um, that's kind of our MO. We never take things too serious. So I think in, in a lot of cases, in most cases, it, it helps us um, and certainly you know, it's not like we we started the season reading these things that um, we have heard about. It's not like we, we read them and we're worried about, oh, man, what are we going to have to do? We got to, you know, change everything up. I got to recreate the wheel. You know, the, the best goal scorer ever is not going to score goals anymore. Um, I don't think so. so <laughs> I, I think there was just, uh, you know, just our attitude towards the game. Um, you know, I think it prevents us from reading into those things, but also uh, helps us along in, in, uh, in tough times and good times. 
I wanted to ask you about Norris Trophy, trophy voting because we're at an age now where we have so many incredible defensemen in this league that do so many great things. And it does feel like we have this explosion of offensive-minded defensemen. And then when we hand out the Norris every year, it's just like what defenseman has the most points is usually the finalist. So mm-hmm. as a defenseman who I'm sure prides yourself on both ends of your game, um, how do you think the award should be judged? And how do you think it is judged currently? Um, well, I, I think the game has has changed and positionally too over the last you know 10, 15 years even. I think um, so you can't compare you know the trophy one year to the next. I, I just think it should be you know if whoever is voting has a choice to have one player on their team, that's the player that uh, they would pick. I think it's pretty simple. I think uh, I don't know how all that stuff works. I don't want to get too far. It's into the writers it. who do it, John. It's the media. Yeah, people like Emily. I, I just, I just think it's who, who, Emily. Who would you want on if you had a team and you can only pick one defenseman? That's who it should be, and that, that's just the easiest, uh, most effective way of picking the best defenseman. I think. I love that gut check. Yeah, it's it's keep it simple and right, uh, and then you don't have so many people fighting. You could use that theory for every individual award. You know, even for all sports. I like that. Like even like league MVP, right? You know, all this debate in the NFL, Tom Brady, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, and right? You don't have you don't have to find the uh where the the Latin word came from and how they uh look at it on the northeast versus the the west. Oh, tell me about it. What a joke. I know, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's good stuff when you host a sports talk radio show like I do. You always Never run out of things to talk about when it comes to that. That's true, though. Um, You mentioned uh, one of the guys that have been around a while, just like you, uh, of course, Alex Ovechkin. Speaking of, you know, I was mentioning Tom Brady, Alex Ovechkin following in uh, Brady's footsteps, although Ovi doesn't eat as well (laughs) as Tom Brady. This we all know, of course. Emily, of course, is all aware of that as well. But uh, here he is again. He is uh, competing for the Art Ross and the Rocket Richard. He is right there. I know we got a bunch of games left, but come on. I mean, you look over at him. I know you've talked about him a lot, John. You talked about him a lot with me when we sat down a couple of years ago, the three of us. I mean, does it blow your mind what he's been doing? Yeah, I think it does. And I think that uh, we're kind of, um, I don't think that me or a lot of the people that are so closely connected um, to him that get to see it every day. I don't think that we, you know, give him the credit that he properly deserves too. I think from an outsider standpoint, you see, you know, how many incredible goals, how, how many incredible seasons he stacked up together. Um, for us, it's just kind of, you know, business as usual. And I, I think, you know, when he, all of a sudden he's, he's first in ever in power play goals, like that's, you know, he could play another three, 400 games. It's, it's insane how um, some of these stats that, because he's just passing people left and right, he's passing, you know, m- most assists, most points, most goals. It's, it seems every single game he's uh, he's passing someone. So I, I think that we kind of, it just becomes normal that he keeps passing people and we don't even sit back and realize who he's passing, how um, incredible those accomplishments are. And uh, I think, you know, every single season, you know, you, you kind of hear that chatter about him too. Oh, He's going to decline. He's too old. He can't do this. He's not going to be, you know, a 50 goal scorer. He's, he's lucky if he gets there. It's, it's just the same thing year after year. And I think year after year, we, we sit around this time and say, man, is this guy ever going to stop? It's, it's, just, <laughs> uh, it's incredible what he has done. 
Okay, but Linda alluded to it. It is so crazy, though, that he's drinking soda on the bench. I just could not get over it. When you get, I'm sure you guys are all accustomed to it now, but, like, when you first noticed he was doing that, you're like, what was your reaction? Um, honestly, I think, I think I've read some, some articles that a lot of marathon runners, um, they'll have – they do it a little bit different. I think they, they take the um, – <laughs> you know, they let it go flat and then drink it. Okay, like but syrup. I think there's there's more to it than just it's not like he's just slugging a coke on the bench. I think it's in short increments, and um, you know whether it's coke or you know some kind of natural brand uh, sports supplement. Now they're essentially probably the same thing. I mean, obviously a little bit different, but I think they're trying to do the same exact thing: spike um, certain glucose levels and then yada yada yada. So I think uh, at the core. It's not that crazy, but I think just because nobody else does it, it's a little bit wild. But the carbonation, like, that's what got to me. I just saw the bubbles. I'm like, how are you going to go play a game? You're about to go burp. Yeah, no. And I, I think, um, I think, like I said, to the, I think I read a study that a lot of marathon runners do it, but they take the, yeah. the carbonation out of it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he likes it. I don't know. Who knows? It's working. Maybe it helps. Some people, some people like to burp. My own kids make fun of the way I burp because I sadly I do it out loud. And then I just say, excuse me. And like, that's supposed to make it go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough about me, more about Ovi and uh, more about you. You know, a couple of years ago when he made us all believers that, wait a minute, he could surpass Wayne Gretzky as the all-time leading goal scorer. And he told me that you were laughing out loud. You're, you know, you're like, I go, what, what would happen if you would pass Wayne Gretzky's record? And he goes, I'd retire. <laughs> like, that, that's the thing. But how has he, has he changed in the last couple of years? I know he's become a big family man and he's a great dad, just like you are. Um, talk to me about that. How much would that mean to him? And also, what would another Stanley Cup mean to him? And how does that rank? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to rank them for him, but I think uh, being number one, you know, goal scorer in the world would just mean the world to him, I'm sure to his family and his country. I think, um, you know, he has so much pride in his family and, you know, his loved ones, his inner circle is very um, family oriented and tight. And I think it would mean the world to him. Um, and, and also to, to win. I think uh, we, we talk about it all the time, you know, in, over the summer, we've talked about it a lot this season as well. And, um, you know, like I said, not that we're getting that old, but um, right. I think we got a really good team and, and it, you know, opportunities, they don't last forever. Even though we're not uh, out the door, um, opportunities don't last forever. And I think that's uh, been a mantra is, is make every day, make every game count um, right now and, and get us in the best position for, for that chance. And that's, uh, that's all you can ask for a chance. All right. Well, I feel like the perfect natural segue here is to ask you about the Olympics. And, you know, we all know it's been a disappointment for players. You pride yourself so much in being able to wear your country's jersey. And in your case, it's Team USA. Um, we know it's not happening this year and we know about the disappointment. But what solutions would you like to see so that you can wear USA's jersey and it's still in the prime of your career and you do get that world level competition? Um, yeah, I, I think looking back, um... I think we were real upset that it didn't work out this year and kind of as it's getting closer and closer, I think it's, it's almost a little bit more of a relief um, with the uncontrollable, I would say. Um, and, and how this is all playing out. Who knows? I just, I you know wish success and health for everybody that 
that is um, going over there. And I, they got to find out a way. I, I really I, I like the World Cup idea. Uh, I just don't like it, you know, before the season and over the summertime. I, right. I, I think they have to whatever they do, they have to make it kind of in that February range is, is a, a perfect kind of time range to, you know, connect it to a few other things to make scheduling a little um, easier. And I'm sure everybody would come back two weeks earlier if, uh, if they knew we were going to have a, you know, that, that level of, a, of an event to um, look forward to in the middle of the season. And um, I, I think something's got to be done. I think that the players are, are pretty tired of um, hearing no over and over and uh, whether it's right or wrong, uh, that's up to the individual, I think, but I think, um, you know, careers are short, uh, prime, prime careers are short. People want to go to and play in these huge events that, um, not only is it great for yourself to have that, uh, opportunity, but I, I tell you, after I played in, um, in Sochi, I, I've heard from so many different people that were like, Hey, I was, I didn't even know you played hockey until I saw you in the Olympics <laughs> and, they, and they live in Washington, DC. They're just not hockey fans. And it's just such a big stage that, um, you know, whether you grew up and just loved hockey, obviously you're going to know, but, um, I, I think it's, it, it's an opportunity to grow the game in such a, you know, more global way than, than how we can through the NHL. And I think it would be great for the NHL. Speaking of growing the game through the NHL, what are some right ways the league can do better in that? You know, do you feel they're on the right track or do you think, there's there's some ways to go, John. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely some ways to go. I think um, just looking at around the other major sports leagues and how they, um, you know, kind of represent their teams, represent their their players, the matchups, uh, come up with cool and intriguing um, rivalries. I think in a lot of cases, the, the league has either tried too hard or or not hard enough. I, I think you know that there will be one year where it's rivalry night and it's us playing Nashville on Wednesday night. And it's, you know, that's not really <laughs> quite the rivalry. I think the rivalry <laughs> word gets, um, you know, used way too much uh, around this league. Um, but I think that, that we're starting to, to see a lot more. I think um, personalities are huge. I know that I wouldn't want to stand in front of a camera all day like uh, these superstars do. Um, but I think it's great for the league and, and whatever, um, you know, kind of, anything to attract the younger audience and, and the younger way of life. Now that's um, that's the only way you can grow. You're not going to grow um, picking off the, you know, the 40 and over club. Yeah. Because the uh, attracting the younger folks, you know, when you think of the, the great achievements, individual achievements, younger Craig, you know, you think of Trevor Zegris and mm -hmm. that play that he made. And then, and then you think of the most recently Kale McCarr, you know, mm -hmm. amazing defenseman, young defenseman, and he makes that move. Yeah, on a forward Kirby Doc, but it was still a great move. Yeah. And John, you know a thing or two about putting the puck in the net and ways to do it. Uh, what did you think about that? And is that an example of how the league should focus on and grow this game for the younger crowd? Yeah, and and make that uh, more of a, a point to, um, you know, maybe show those sorts of things versus, you know, what did, what did the, this guy have to say after the game about a a loss or a win. I, I think that speaking from my experience with DC, which has turned into an amazing um, hockey town, it, it, it kind of, it takes a little while, you know, whether the, the popularity has been here since I've been here um, in 2010. 
it, it, you know, we've sold out at almost every single game since that point, but you can see how it's grown and grown. So you have, you know, in 2010 or before that, the, the OV rage and uh, how much he brought to that was, which is insane and incredible that he's been able to do that to a, to a fan base, but he brought it to a certain point and then, um, you know, obviously winning means a lot, but, but now it's trickled down to Now it's been going on long enough that it's trickled down to, um, you know, maybe we captivated a few, um, you know, between 25 and 35 year olds. And now the, these people are having kids and their, their kids are growing up diehard capitals fans. So it, it's, you know, you swoon those people and then you get the diehards and that's kind of a cyclical thing. I think that, um, it seems now within DC and, and the surrounding areas that the caps are, are huge. And, you know, you can see that through the youth hockey numbers and how, um, you know, how broad, how much more broad our fan base is now. John, thank you so much for your time. Honestly, I loved every one of your answers. I feel like I learned something. You're super introspective. You said you didn't want to get into media after you retire, but I don't know. I think you might have a shot. I will not. (laughs) Famous last words though. We're going to clip that. Yeah. Clip it. I won't do it. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, you know, don't worry about this current losing skid. Uh, It doesn't seem like you guys are worried about it. I mean, this is like your first, hiccup along the way. And I think that's part of it. Am I right? I mean, you haven't had something like this, right, John? Yeah, no, I think, um, I don't think there's any cause for concern. I think we're not happy with the the results, obviously, but I don't think that um, uh, we're at any point where we need to rethink the wheel. I think um, in in those instances, they're, they're pretty um, narrow mistakes that we've made that, that led us to those uh, losses and uh, certainly ready to, to change it though. All right. Sounds good. Remember, you shocked the world already, so don't let it worry you. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm with Emily. Thanks for your passion and your honesty and your time. And, uh, you know, we wish you the best. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Continued success, John. We'll see you soon. Linda, he's awesome. I felt like that was one of our favorite, one of my favorite conversations we've had this year. I've talked to John before, and I know that he pays attention to the game. And you think of that market, he's not always the first guy that everyone wants to talk to, right? It's always Ovi, it's Tom Wilson, it's Oshi, but like, he's got opinions. And you said it, and I'm going to let you expand on this point, but his passion came through. Yeah, that's what really, if you ask me, what's your biggest takeaways from this interview? And I agree with you. I've spoken to him before. Uh, and it's nothing new, but he was really, Emily, he was really passionate in his answers. Like it hurt, like it was from the heart when he was talking about how the league can do more, right. Could grow the game. Like he seemed frustrated. I mean, he's been in the league since 2010. He seemed a bit frustrated. Like, wow, we have this amazing opportunity with these amazing skilled players and players who want to do more to grow the Mm -hmm. game and are not asked to. And the other part that he was really passionate about, he had a lot of great answers, but another area where he was really passion, passionate about, and it went from his heart and it hurt, was the answer to your question regarding the Olympics and finding an, a way to do some kind of tournament in the month of February where players would come back early for, rearrange their schedules for another two weeks if it's a longer season, just to play some kind of international competition. Those were the two where I felt he spoke really from the heart and it hurt when he spoke because he doesn't understand meaning he was frustrated. And it's for players. I feel like he said it best. We're just frustrated of hearing saying no, it's just no all the time. And they want to know about the process of like, okay, are you guys as committed to growing the game? Are you guys as committed to doing this as we are? And I feel like 
they don't feel satisfied with those answers. So I agree with all the points that you made. Um, I'm glad that we were able to showcase his personality. And the truth is, he's a great defenseman. I loved his answer on Norris Trophy. It's just like, pick the best guy. Like, don't overthink it. Just pick the guy. Who do you want on your team? If you had a choice to pick a defenseman, which one do you want on your team? That's the Norris Trophy winner. (laughs) And I will say, like, and he's popped up on my Norris Trophy ballot before in the last couple of years. I think about it. I'm like, he plays in all situations. I trust him in my own zone. He does have that nice offensive touch. He's going to play hard for you. Like he's just solid. Also, he's a great, I mean, this is not a qualification to be a Norris trophy winner, but as long as we're pumping up his tires, not that John Carlson (laughs) needs his tires pumped. He's a great leader. I mean, you mentioned off the top in the first question that you asked about, you know, mentoring young players uh, and, and what it means to him and looking over there and seeing a young guy do what he does. Uh, he's a veteran now, and he's been a veteran for quite some time on this team. And it shows the leadership qualities. And I, I love seeing that in a guy like that. And also how his game has developed. You know, he's he's a better defensive defenseman now. Yeah. He used agreed. to be all about the offense, really. He was ahead of his time. Yeah. And, and now, uh, to your point, you can count on him in all the big situations. Totally. Well, our thanks to John for coming on. Um, As you can see, Linda and I are big fans and we're glad we could bring that conversation. And Linda, we're at Thursday, the week's ending. What do you got coming on tap? What do I have on tap? Okay, well, um, uh, you know, by the way, Thursday, as we speak, January 13th, we got so many great games, a full slate of games. That to me, 11 games, that was the sight for sore eyes for me. Just to see an 11 game NHL schedule on one night, 11 games on one night, Emily, considering what the league has been going through, including two, one on ESPN, one on ESPN plus, but I will, you will hear my voice during cut-ins uh, tonight. And then Friday and Saturday, I'll be hosting in the crease. How about you? Linda, it's a little bit late for me. I'm on the point today. It's going to be a big day. It's Olympic announcement and we've got all-star announcement. I'll tell you this. What Olympic start- announcement? The U S Olympic team, the men's Olympic team. You mean they are sending someone? I'm tongue in cheek. I'm like, I'm telling. Remember what I told you? I'm not going to be into it. I am not into it. I hear there's some college players. There's some NHL prospects that I've heard that are going to get the call. Uh, That will air on the point at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Then we got the All Star announcements, and we were teasing at the end of last episode. I've seen the rosters. Um, They're good. Um, It's good players going, guys that are deserving of going. We're going to break it all down a little bit more on Monday because there's some frustrations I have of, again, the league promoting the right players and the players that want to be promoted and want to lean in and show personality and have fun with it. Because the truth is, it's always a slog to convince guys to go. And there's guys that want to go that weren't invited. And I feel like that's a topic I want to get into. But all of that being said, you're going to see the rosters tonight. I would not be shocked. Here's a little teaser. You see a few wrinkles added later. Maybe some players not named tonight, uh, named later. Maybe some rookies or younger players involved in skill or other things. So we'll break down all of All-Star. But tune into yep. Sports Center where uh, they will be revealed live. Yeah, we always see that in every sport anyway. There are some guys that won't want to go. So that'll make openings for the guys that should be going. And when I mean should, as we talked about, and we talked about it with John Carlson. Guys that grow the game, bringing the younger audience in. But we'll talk about that further, but that might happen organically. Completely. That, you know, so we'll see how that shakes out. But right, Sports Center, 645 Eastern on a Thursday when we're talking uh, to you. Well, Linda, this is a fun episode. I feel like we covered a lot. 
And uh, I'll talk to you Monday. Sounds like the plan. Okay. Before we let you go, we want you all to go. Please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst, Marcus Spears. He's Swagoo. And NBA champion and analyst, Kendrick Perkins. Perk! With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.